Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. ESPN Richmond, joined as always by my co-host. He writes about the spiders for A10 Talk, but I'm going to switch it up this time and say equally as importantly, a struggling Charlotte Hornets fan left out of the bubble this July, very unfortunately. Uh, Austin, how are you doing? And thoughts on not being in the bubble, which still probably might not even happen. Yeah, no, can't complain, man. Um, Doesn't do any good. But now rocking the Hornets shirt now, as you can see on Zoom. Regardless, they're not in, but... Buzz City, Scary Terry. I just, yeah, I just can't see. I don't see it happening. I mean, I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the bubble concept is interesting because it's not really. I, I think in theory it works. Like I think like yeah, receiver TBT is about to go off on Saturday. I think that the the two things are that a obviously we know Florida is spiking, particularly Orlando right now. It's getting really bad down there. But I think the other thing is that it's not really a secured bubble as they call it because there's a lot of staffers there that are allowed in and out of that bubble. So, like we said, you know, the, the idea of the bubble absolutely works in, in contact tracing players. It's just that it's not really a lockdown bubble. So, I don't know what happens. I, I think more of the argument is about, you know, I feel comfortable even if players get exposed to fund them. But I think you have to be able to allow, like a Larry Nance Jr. guy who's immunocompromised. You have to be going into it willing to say, all right, we know the risks. But any player that, for whatever reason, doesn't feel comfortable doing this does not have to do it. I think there are guys that are totally fine and feel comfortable getting it, whether you want to justify that or not. And there are others that aren't. And it sh- I think it should be up to them. But regardless, I'm hoping we see some basketball this July. Yeah, no, I agree. Like you said, like Orlando, it's not looking good there. I'm also a fan of the MLS. It, six players today alone just on FC Dallas tested positive. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a long road to start things back up. But it's at least promising to know that things are in the works and this will give college basketball, for example, a chance to really kind of see how these bubble type scenarios work out and see what Mm -hmm. works best for this upcoming season. Yeah. That's the thing that I've been holding out hope for is that no matter what happens, whether coronavirus gets worse, whether it gets better, whether schools are open, whether they're closed, whatever happens is that when we look at college basketball, that's, you know, they're, they're the last in line. I mean, unless you want to really get into, you know, spring sports, they're pretty much the next big sport in line. Um, so they, they get to wait, like we said, they get to wait and see what happens with the NBA bubble. They get to see what happens with, you know, we have for all the college basketball fans, TBT on Saturday, which is going to be awesome. I had a blast at that last summer. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with football and training camp, but they're going to have a big body of work to play around and see. But I think on that note, we might as well, you know, kind of dive into, you know, you and I talked a little off air is the idea that's been floated around. There was that Rick Bettino tweet about basically pushing conferences to say in the NCAA let's push back college basketball till January 
and play in conference only. And there's been a lot of ideas float around. Some people have said, let's do a temporary conference rearrange based on like region. So instead of playing traditional A10, like Richmond would not play St. Louis, you know, maybe James Madison, they end up being like something like that. But there's a lot of ideas going around. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on that idea of pushing um, it back? As a mid-major basketball fan in general, I hate it because mm-hmm. my one of my favorite times of the year is November, December, when you have these matchups that you don't normally get. But in a time like this, if it's what if they say that's what we need to have for college basketball to happen, I'm all for it. Scrap it. Keep these games kind of still set in stone. No, don't know when you're really playing them yet, but still have those there. But if it means we'll have at least some college basketball, I'm all for whatever whatever needs to be done. Um, but now, particularly, I'm sure I'm not alone with being just in love with these mid-major matchups that we get in November and December. But I'm for whatever at this point. Yeah, man, that's, I think that's the biggest thing is it's, you know, there's a lot of things we'd like to do, but honestly, whatever gets guys on the court in a safe way, if we can just see some sports. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really great. Um, I've heard, you know, I was, I, th- I think it was kind of just like with the NBA where even two, three weeks ago, just in terms of that bubble, we were much more optimistic than we are now. Um, and I, I still, you know, if I had to lean, I'd say it's 60, 40 with the NBA bubble. I think it's more likely to happen. But I think it still might not even Adam Silver just said he's not guaranteeing it. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, as a mid-major fan, it would really suck to become a conference only thing. So you look at this, you know, the, this out of conference schedule is really good this year. And, you know, I went on the radio today with Bob Black. And, you know, one thing I brought up to him is when you look at, you know, road games, especially against power five teams, whatever, power six, whatever you want to call it. You know, if you're going to Rupp Arena this year, right? Imagine going into Rupp Arena and there's no fans there. Talk about a level playing field. A lot of people already were picking Richmond at least calling that a pick game. A lot of people are picking Richmond in that game. Kentucky's going to be a young team. Now you go into it without fans. You know, obviously as a media member, I'd love to be in Rupp Arena with, you know, thousands of fans. That'd be unbelievable. But when, you know, if you're a Richmond Spider, I mean, talk about good chances to go in there and get a W. So, you know, to lose chances like that um, would really stink. But, you know, as we said, at the end of the day, we got to do whatever's most likely to get a full season of college basketball. And yeah, if that no. means it's only playing a conference schedule – I'd rather that than they start a regular season and five games in, we have to lock it down again. Yeah, no, I agree. And like you said, this schedule, I don't think I've ever been this excited for a non-conference schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. at Kentucky, at Colorado State, at Vanderbilt, I mean, that's that's a big league schedule. So, I mean, I was, I'm really hoping things get better. And like you said, it would be really weird to be playing at Rupp Arena, no fans. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. a benefit for Richmond, but you kind of want them to get that full experience of playing at a school that lives and breeds basketball like Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so why don't we get down into the schedule a little bit while we're there? I know you, you obviously write for mid-major madness, so you're very in tune with a lot of the other mid-major conferences outside of uh, the A-10. So, you know, we talked a little bit about Kentucky and Vandy, but you know, why don't you give us a couple matchups on that non-conference schedule that you're looking forward to? Yeah, no. So me being, like I said, like a mid-major dork that I call myself, I sat there earlier and kind of tallied up our records and all-time matchups um, mm-hmm. with these schools we're playing this year out of conference. And surprisingly, a lot of them, it's either our first or maybe even like our fourth matchup. So these are kind of fresh teams, which makes it really exciting. Um, like Hartford, that's our first ever matchup with them. Played Detroit, Detroit Mercy just one time back in 1992. First matchup against Kentucky. First matchup against Colorado State. Um, three and four all-time against Bucknell. Haven't played them since 17. 
And then I really like this um, ODU series we have going. And all-time, we're 27-33, and 33, which is better than I anticipated because ODU back in their CAA days, I mean, they were solid. They were, they were competing, winning 25 games a season. So to be 27-33 and 33 against them, and especially winning in the way we did against them last year, I'm looking forward to this matchup at home. Uh, Vanderbilt, we're owning them in a lot of ways right now. We beat them last year, beat them in the NCAA tournament. Credit the Spider Sports Hub. He had a funny tweet the other day saying um, when we locked down another recruit that we kind of stole from Vanderbilt, um, beaten Vandy since 2011. So credit <laughs> him for that. Thought that was good. Yep. Um, heading to college of Charleston. If you've not been to Charleston, that is a beautiful city. So I do hope things end up working out so we can head down there for that. And the most, the one I'm most excited for is Northern Iowa, just because they're always a perennial top mid-major team that always has a chance of sneaking in the tournament and wreaking some havoc. So I'm really, really excited for this uh, mid-major, um, pretty much showdown. Every game is going to be good. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely excited. Actually, uh, a buddy of mine plays on the Hartford team from high school, so I think it'd be cool to hopefully, hopefully see him play. And, um, yeah, like you said, I think going to Charleston would be really awesome to go down there. Hopefully can go to Kentucky. But I love that take on Vanderbilt, man, especially the way we won last year. But to, to kind of double up on that, not only did we steal J- – not, I shouldn't say steal, but got Jason Nelson over Vanderbilt, have beaten Vanderbilt now for a couple of years. On top of that, Jason Nelson – I wrote about it in my piece. He was in the house at Rich at the Robin Center for the Richmond-Vanderbilt game <laughs> against for what would be his final two schools. So I talked with him about it, and, you know, he said he was like the atmosphere was incredible. He, he loved every second of it. But, you know, I thought that was a little kind of a fun little touch to that for sure. But yeah, man, that um, if, if you want to talk about, you know, even more so COVID and it kind of helping the spiders in terms of, you know, if there weren't fans, that kind of being an advantage, talk about recruiting, right? Like a guy like whether it's Jason Nelson or, you know, uh, Eric Reynolds, the guy who I actually interviewed him yesterday. I have a piece coming out on him tomorrow. You know, that's a guy that just picked up offers from Seton Hall and Georgetown. He's starting to get looked at by these these power five schools, but they weren't on him before. They didn't have a chance to go see him play before. He didn't have a chance to go visit their campuses. You know, the schools that have been on him, Richmond has been on him for a really long time, really hard. BCU's been on him. St. Joe's been on him. He got to go visit George Mason, I know. Um, you know, these schools, the A-10 kind of mid-major schools, they're going to have a huge advantage. That's huge, being in the door with them. Because, if you, you know, if you're a – and now the NCAA extended the dead period, too. So at least until August 31st, that's not changing. So, and, you know, and, and I imagine that it's not going to get any better, whether they extend the dead period or not, you know, if, if things do get better, I find it hard to believe that, you know, it's going to be tough to go out and visit those schools if his high school season starts. At the same time, if there is no high school season, if you can't play high school basketball, you probably can't travel to go visit another school. So, you know, for schools like Richmond to have their foot in the door with these guys like Zach Hicks and Eric Reynolds, you know, they just got Jason Nelson. I, I think that's really big for them. And I think this 2021 class is already forming between, you know, Nelson and, uh, and, and Malcolm Dredd. And I can only see it, you know, this could be a really, really big class for them. Oh, no, 100%. And, you know, over the years, the big question has always been, can Mooney recruit? And mm-hmm. I feel like seeing what, what's happening now, these five seniors we have that are going to be starting, uh, mm-hmm. seeing what they've done, and now seeing not only was that like, okay, well, this is our big bang. I'm going to kind of um, sizzle down after this. But, no, I mean, he, we're loaded up, man. I'm excited, especially just this year. Um, I mean, Isaiah Wilson, I'm really excited to see that kid play. I mean, everybody. It's just I hope this quiets the 
fire Mooney Mafia. I'm, I don't get along with them. Not not fans <laughs> of them. But I, hopefully this puts the haters to rest on the whole Mooney can't recruit thing because this recruiting class coming up, not only next year but 2021, is solid. And Spider yeah. fans have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, you can't really complain when you're getting the Virginia 2A State Player of the Year. You know, you're swiping him, you know, and he's right in town, like VCU. Like, you could say that's VCU's guy. He didn't, VCU didn't make his top two. Um, so, yeah, it's really good to see him, you know, also getting these hometown local guys because we see, you know, he gets a lot of the Northeast kind of prep school kids. So, you know, I think that's a big get for them. But like you said, both for this year and the future, I think there's a lot to be excited for. Isaiah, not only do I think Isaiah is going to be a phenomenal player, and I really can't wait to see him play next to Jason Nelson in a couple of years. But, but talk about a guy getting the opportunity to learn from Jacob Gilliard. I mean, such similar players. Isaiah's got a little bit of height on Gilly, but pretty, you know, six foot and under club still. Both guys that move great off the ball. Both guys great with the ball in their hands. Both guys excellent anticipators and great playmakers, great in the pick and roll. I mean, like, it's going to be perfect to shadow him for a year. And then when you have Jason Nelson coming in and transitioning for him to them both to be young guys, but for Isaiah to have that year of experience with Gilliard, I think is going to be just incredibly beneficial. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I'm sensing a little bit of like a TJ Klein, Grant Golden type mm-hmm. uh, romance happening. So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, let's look ahead a little bit. Obviously really excited about this coming season should it happen, but so now we we're starting to see what this team could look like in the next couple of years. I'd say, you know, we're looking at starting lineups. I would guess, you know, in the 2021-2022 season, you're going to have kind of some combination of probably Isaiah Wilson. And I think at this point, I'd probably say Jason Nelson starts as a freshman. He's just that good. I could see him starting over Connor and Andre. Who knows if – but I think that depends. You know, Andre, I really feel like he has the ability to be a dominant guy. I think it's been between the years with him. We've seen him penetrate, but – until he really shows that confidence, I would still kind of say Nelson probably starts. I'd say that's where your backcourt's looking like. You know, in, in the front, you're obviously Tyler Burton's going to be in there, whether he's at the three or the four. You know he's starting. And then and then at the, at the center spot, it's going to be really interesting to see. You're going to have Sal, Matt Grace, and Andre Weir coming in. So I'm really interested to see who their starting center is in 2021-2022. I think if we go back two years ago, we'd all say, even when Sal was having an inconsistent freshman year, we all say it's Sal. You look at his potential, right? Even if Matt's the better offensive player, you know, they, they need defense, they need physicality, they need rebounding. You don't need Matt's offense. Like you need the defense Sal could bring you. But in limited chances this year, Sal fouled a lot. He got in a lot of foul trouble. We've seen him be slow. We've seen him have shaky hands. And you really saw that, you know, after the freshman year when Mooney's saying we're ready to give Sal opportunities. Then you go into sophomore year, you really didn't see him consistently get them. Even a year after, we really saw Matt Grace taking those minutes. So I think if we want to look at who's going to be that center in 2021-2022, this season, I think it's going to be a battle between Matt Grace and Sal Caressi. I think whoever wins those minutes this year is probably going to be the starter in 2021-2022, probably splitting minutes with Andre Weir, because I'd be shocked if by sophomore year, if he's not playing at least 20 minutes a game. Right. No, I think we talked, gosh, I don't know, 2020 feels like three years in one, but we talked at one point about um, kind of about Sal and Matt Grace kind of coming in and out. And Mm -hmm. I think I pointed out something about hopefully how Andre Weir can pick up some of those minutes just to get some experience under his belt. Um, I mean, how big is it for a freshman to get into a game at Kentucky, even if it's two Mm -hmm. minutes? I mean, that right there is just not only a confidence boost, but I mean, it's just, yeah, experience is everything. So I'm hoping, um, 
really expecting a much bigger and more depth in the rotation this year just to kind of groom these guys, especially like you touched on Wilson being able to learn under Gilliard to be able to sit there on the bench for 35 minutes a game, watch Gilliard, study it, and then let him get in for five minutes and just see see how he matches up with these guys. And I just think it'll be a great learning experience for, for everybody involved and really hope that the minutes are balanced. I'm confident Mooney will hopefully have the same thought process as me. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Cause I really think that I think they have the chance to be, I, I can't say they'll be as good as they are this year. I think this, they're going to be the best. They could be the best team this year in a long time. But if, if you look at that, you know, in the following season, I don't think there's going to be a huge drop off of a transitional period. I can see them competing, you know, may at the very least being a top five, top four, maybe more team um, following that year. But it's not going to be the way this team is now, where you basically have your starting five essentially playing, you know, other than Grant, who's kind of, you know, gets the, gets the less minutes just being the big player he is. Most of those guys are playing 32, 33 minute, minutes minimum as a starter. Sometimes we see Nate Nate's minutes go down when he struggles and Tyler gets in. But for the most part, it's a starter-heavy minute rotation and scoring. Bench scoring is not coming a lot. When I look at what this team's going to look like, it's going to be really talented. Like we said, Jason Nelson's a young guy and he's really talented. I expect him to start, but you're going to have experienced wings and guards already there. Like we said, Andre's going to be there for his senior season. He's a bigger guy too, good defensive player. He knows the system well. You're going to have Connor Crabtree in his second season at that point in a spider uniform. So I, I could see this, this Roth, this lineup really turning, you know, kind of shifting based on who's in. Because we have these small guards, and then you look at Connor and Andre, who are both listed as guards, but can absolutely play the three. So, you know, I, I think you're going to see both of those guys anywhere from the point guard to the small forward position. Um, I think, and I, and I really am interested to see what they go with with Jamon Bailey and who they pair him with. Because I could almost see you doing, putting like an, like an Andre at the one, and then throwing maybe an Isaiah-Jason combo at the two, and then knowing Jamon play the three, because you want to have him in there with some experience but I don't think we're going to see this very starter heavy production, um, very starter heavy scoring lineup. And I think it could be really good for them. They could go deeper into games. I agree a hundred percent. I'm really excited to see um, Bailey play because I also think it's going to be strange to see a guard that's six, five, just something mm-hmm. we haven't seen much at Richmond lately. So it's going to be a change of pace and um, you can learn from the smaller guys, the smaller guys and from the big guys, big guys and the small guys. So I just really think Mooney has pieced this team together a lot like how Tony Bennett uh, puts his teams together at Virginia. He, he doesn't go after the five-star All-American mm-hmm. guys. He gets the guys that will fit his system and will run that system the most effectively. And I feel like that's exactly what Mooney has done. He's got a bunch of guys that I just feel like are going to buy in. Everybody's going to kind of um, – just rally around each other and just gonna be a tight knit group. And I seriously cannot be more excited and really, really hope we have college basketball coming up this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, when, when you say talk about Mooney getting guys that fit the system, I think you said it perfectly. When we look at these recruits coming in, you know, look at Andre Weir, right? Like Grant Golden, you know, their, their current center. And even if you want to go back to TJ Klein, we're both good, you know, big bigs, you know, and Grant even more so this year was playing more physical, better defense rebounding than before. But they usually have skilled bigs, great in the high pick and roll, really good passers, right? Good touch on the ball. Andre Weir has really soft hands. He's a really good passer as a big man, too. He's going to come in like that. Talk about fitting the bill. Jamon Bailey, 
great off-ball player. Really fits the up-tempo, really fits the cuts. Great off-ball, perfect guy for that system, right? We already talked about Isaiah and, and Jason Nelson both being up-tempo guys that love to run the cuts, the pick and rolls. And we already said, Zach Hicks, Eric Reynolds, same thing. Guys that are great with a ball in their hands, but guys that are really good off ball and can still score at a high volume. They can score at all three levels, really high basketball IQ. So when I look at these guys, he's not only getting talented guys, he's getting guys that fit the system. And the same thing with Malcolm Dredd too. So, so I think he, like you said, I think he's recruiting smartly. And I, that's why I really think that this team could be good fast, even as a young team, you know, heading into that 2021, 2022 season. So when we look at, you know, we're going into the season, we talked about maybe being conference only play this year. What are you looking at when you see the A-10 this year? We obviously, you know, Dayton, unfortunately, didn't get to finish that great season. And, you know, despite that, it was most likely only a two-bid league, depending on, you know, if there's a bid thief and then maybe Richmond gets the at-large. It was probably a two-bid league, but it was still an up year compared to the year before. What do you look at in terms of, you know, how many bids could you see the A-10 getting? Are there teams that you have really have your eye on as a top talent, maybe some sleepers? What are you thinking about this year? Um, no, I think the A-10 really um, opened a lot of people's eyes last year um, around the country, seeing that they're not just your ordinary mid-major. They are definitely in the top tier of mid-major conferences in the country. And it's really – it's exciting to sit here and really have to think about who the top four are going to be next year, because this yeah. conference is good. I'm excited personally as a Richmond fan, the VCU will not be as good. That's my, my take there, but no, I can see we've predicted it. I can see Richmond finishing the conference first Rhode Island's going to be, they've had, they've probably been the most active team in the NCAA this year with roster turnover and transfers and all sorts of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they kind of gel together up there. St. Louis is going to be good. St. Bonaventure is going to be good. Um, it's going to be wide open, um, especially if we just have a conference season. It's going to be weird having, say, Richmond plays St. Louis in the first game of the season. That's not that's not playing a St. Francis. That's not playing anybody of that caliber. I mean, that's a top program in mid-major basketball. So it'll definitely be interesting and it's going to be weird for these teams, not like Richmond that have five returning starters to kind of get everybody ready to play. Um, so I think regardless of what happens, if we have a, just a conference season, if we have the full season, Richmond is going to be the most prepared just because we don't know how much these guys are going to get to practice beforehand. And with five returning starters, that right there puts you a step ahead, everybody else. So I'm excited, hopefully for, some non-conference games, but if we do have just the conference schedule, it will be nothing short of exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think not only will this be a strong league, but I think there's a lot up in the air. Because I think you've got a few teams, you know, you mentioned obviously Richmond and St. Louis. Some people picking the Bonnies, but for the most part, it's pretty much consensus Richmond and St. Louis are your top two teams heading into the season. Obviously, the Bonnies are going to be a really good team. I think Rhode Island, like you said, is a really interesting team because there's a lot of roster turnover. You know, they've got, they've got the Twins coming in that could potentially become eligible semester, maybe semester one, but probably spring semester could become eligible. You had Tyrese Martin and Jacob Toppin leave the team. You know, Fats is good. It looks like at this point Fats is probably back. 
Um, but that that's a team here, Langevin gone. So we don't really know what that team's going to look like. There's a lot of talent there, but if you have guys coming in the second semester, especially if the season gets put, pushed back to January and you kind of have to jump in, you know, how long, and if it's a conference only season, I'm assuming that season's condensed. So you have less time to, to bring things together. So as you said, this only is going to benefit Richmond in terms of pretty much bring back the same team with a little added, uh, added cavalry there, uh, off the bench. But yeah, I think another team that could be really interesting is UMass. You look at a guy like Trey Mitchell, who had a breakout season last year. You know, he's a guy that, you know, there's a real possibility he doesn't play four years of college basketball. Um, I think that's going to be a really fun team to watch. Um, but yeah, St. Louis, even though I think we kind of know what they are, we know they're a bad matchup for Richmond. We know they're a physical team that's going to be really, really good this year. They're still really interesting because they've got a guy like Gibson Jimerson coming back. I think that's going to make that a really tough matchup for Richmond. We already saw what happened last year. They got bodied on the boards. We saw the way they used Jimmy Bell, gave him a lot more minutes than usual. But if you take that, I mean, at the very least, you know, you can play hack-a-shack. It didn't work out great for Richmond last time because obviously they fouled Javante Perkins for God knows whatever reason they let him get the ball as like the only guy that shoots above 2% from the free throw line. For whatever reason, they kept hacking him. But you should be able to foul Jordan Goodwin. I would be shocked if in their fourth season, Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French suddenly learn to hit free throws, like that would really, I don't see them having a Nate KO thing. But if you have a guy like Gibson Jibberson, all of a sudden you have him on the floor and you have Javante Perkins, guys that can space the floor out, guys that can hit free throws, that can shoot threes. Not only are they, you know, adding a level of threat, but also now they're opening up the court for a guy like Jordan Goodwin. So I think that's going to be an interesting team to see. But as Keith Dambrot once said, just because you're returning everybody, doesn't mean and you're getting older it doesn't mean that you're going to get better and that could apply for Richmond too I find it a little harder to believe with Richmond because I think that I just look at you know that they've had this lineup set for so long and then they're just bringing in so much more I, I really you know find it hard to see your aggression and the way that they trended upwards throughout the year but it could happen when I look at St. Louis you know it is possible that they don't necessarily just break out you know maybe they maybe they do slouch off a little bit but that's gonna be that's gonna be a really fun matchup to watch. I expect to see those two teams at the top. Um, but yeah, the Bonnies are gonna be a really big threat too. So this league is gonna be really fun, really fun this spring. Yeah, no, I mean, if we play eighteen games or if we get a full thirty game schedule, it's mm-hmm. it's gonna be exciting. Um, but it is kind of exciting to think about the idea of just playing conference teams. Mm-hmm. Be a good way to, because obviously most Richmond fans wouldn't consider St. Louis a rival. But yeah. if it turns into something where this kind of takes off and people like the idea of playing less um, non-conference games, more conference games, it puts more weight, especially on the mid-majors, to perform well in conference play. So trying to look at it from the other side, I obviously want the non-conference games to happen. But if they don't, trying to find the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I wonder too how that's going to affect the selection committee. I think if we see just a really, you know, I shouldn't say power five because, you know, Big East, but, you know, these power conference schools, um, you know, if they're all playing each other in Rio, the A10s all playing the A10 and, you know, the American UConn obviously just left the AAC. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they value because you don't, you know, you just don't have a body of work to see how conferences compare against the other. So, you know, last year we had freaking Big Ten had 85 teams that were going to get in the tournament. So, you know, hopefully something like that doesn't happen again. Um, you know, Richmond was pretty much the uh, Big Ten champion by osmosis, but, um, you know, that Wisconsin win. But, yeah, and, and Dayton's going to be a really fun team. I would love to see them get two matchups with Dayton this year. Mm-hmm. I think it was, you know, I think that's something we kind of got ripped of last year, only getting to play them once. 
and because you know they're going to be a really good team too. Last year they were absolutely getting in the tournament without Obi Toppin. Jalen Crutcher is a phenomenal player. Rodney Chapman's a, a phenomenal player. Jordy, Ch- however the hell you pronounce his last name, <laughs> Chaminga, he was really starting to come along. Um, and what's going to be really big for them too is a Chase Johnson that was just announced. Yeah. He's going to be returning for them um, after missing most of last year. So that could be a big X factor for them. You know, he was a four star coming out of high school. Uh, you know, I think, where was he at? Florida originally, I believe. So, yeah, I think so. you know, it, it's, it's hard to say if it's only conference play, but this team has, I mean, this league has the potential to be a four bid league. I'm not saying it will, but it can absolutely happen. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I just, um, I would like to see more than a two bid league. Obviously, everybody around the conference would, but I think this year, if everything goes, gets better, things start, um, the COVID starts going down and we get a full season. I think enough people that didn't already watch the A-10 last year, but kind of just like mid-major basketball will mm. tune into more of these games and see that, okay, this isn't a, this isn't just a crap league. Obviously I don't think anybody thinks that, but they're an upper echelon mid-major. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, they can compete with anybody as we saw, like you said, osmosis that helped us out last year to win the big 10. Um, mm-hmm. Richmond competes with everybody. They, they play against so yep. they just need the shot they just yep. need the opportunity so especially at Kentucky that right there like you said Kentucky's gonna be young they might not be super good but mm-hmm. the college basketball traditionalists like oh wow Richmond beat Kentucky they're, they're really good so yep. hopefully this opens eyes and all these guys around the league get a shot to to prove what they're worth yeah as you said not only Kentucky young and has to develop that chemistry but you know if training we're seeing you know some schools in football and basketball are that we're bringing students back. Richmond actually just announced they are bringing students back on, I think the 15th, or excuse me, athletes. Um, but some schools in the South, you know, like Clemson just had obviously a lot of football, I think 23 football players test positive. So, if, and there's a lot of the SEC schools, like Kentucky and C schools in the Midwest and the South. So, you know, if a school like Kentucky, all of a sudden, if they can't get their guys on campus to play the spring, that's only going to make it even harder for a young team like that mm-hmm. to get that chemistry down. Um, you know, given that, I mean, on the schedule now, it is later in non-conference play. They don't play, what is it, the 23rd of yeah, December? Before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Excuse me, 23rd of, uh, of November, right? November. So, yeah, so it's kind of later. It's, you know, it's not super early. So, you know, that's only more of an advantage for an experienced team. Um, together like that but yeah I think you know the A-10 play only would be a really interesting uh, interesting uh, season what would be what what matchups would you want you know obviously St. Louis is a team that's going to be at the top who you'd have to assume they're going to play them twice but if you did see a conference only season what are a couple teams that you absolutely need to see Richmond play twice I would love them to play St. Bonaventure twice just speaking mm-hmm. off of last year just based on I felt like the game at the Riley Center was super winnable and they should have won that game. Talk about so a fun like, Yeah, I would like to see them twice. Um, mm-hmm. If we could play Fordham maybe 10 times, if we have a bad <laughs> stretch, we could do that. But, um, uh, no, all the usuals. I like I like playing the Virginia schools twice. Um, like you said, Dayton would be another cool one. Um, yeah. I, honestly – Probably just St. Bonaventure would be my one just because uh, I have kind of a salty taste in my mouth after dealing with them last year. Yep. Um, but, no, it'll be exciting. It'd be cool if um, we get more – if we play St. Louis twice, that has the the chance of getting a Richmond-St. Louis rivalry, something that wouldn't mm-hmm. normally happen because, like I said earlier, I don't consider St. Louis a rival. But you play mm-hmm. the more you play people, the more bad blood. So we'll see. Yeah. 
Well, little, little, little known fact, there is a St. Louis Richmond rival here on the Goldberg household. As uh, oh. very few people know, my uh, father uh, did earn his graduate degree at the University of, at St. Louis University. So a little, little rivalry there, but, you know, he's, <laughs> he's not a huge college basketball fan, so we give him a pass. He, he rolls spiders all the way. But do you think, would you even, would you have interest in seeing, I think it's pretty much a given that they would get VCU twice anyways, since VCU happens every year. But objectively, going into it, would you want to see that team twice? Because that's a team that's, again, you know, Marcus Evans is gone. Deorante Jenkins is gone. Marcus Santos Silva is gone. That's basically just going to be, it's like Bones Highland is going to be Bradley Beal this year. Like that's what that team's going to be. And they do have young talent coming in, but they're not going to be a contender in the league this year. Do you, like if you're with a scheduler, do you bother putting that matchup twice outside of the fact that it's that rivalry or is that rivalry enough that you don't care how good or bad each team is, you want that game twice? That's a really good question. Looking at it from a sket, somebody who is in charge of scheduling, mm-hmm. no. But as a Richmond fan, when Richmond starts to have one of their best years ever and VCU's mm-hmm. down, 100%. Yep. Because all you ever hear, R- Richmond could beat VCU, but it's, oh, look at the all-time record. Look at the all-time record. So if we have a chance to put a dent in that record all-time, I'm all for mm-hmm. it. But no, from a scheduling standpoint, it's always an exciting game in Richmond around this area, but I'm not yep. sure many other A-10 fans would tune in as it wouldn't be as hyped up as it is in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, uh, I think I still would anyways, just because like you kind of said that it's usually still a competitive game. Like you look back a couple of years ago, you know, when Richmond's, you know, was obviously one of the bottom teams in the A-10 and that home game, you know, at the Robin center after they got wiped at the Siegel center, you know, they were a terrible team that year. VCU was top of the conference and they still only lost by, it was single digits. I want to say that was like a three point game and they almost came back under two minutes. They were down by like almost double digits. Um, so like you said, it's almost like, it's like one of the Patriots Ravens type games. Like anytime the Patriots play the Ravens in the playoffs, it does not matter. It's a close game. It's like the same thing. So it's, it's they just know each other too well. So I think I'd want to see it. Um, but it, but it is different because, you know, VCU doesn't have Jacob Gilliard and Grant Golden. So even when you're a bad team, like Richmond was a couple years ago, you still have these two guys that, you know, in a rivalry game and a home crowd, they feed off of it, you know, they could get it going. But who knows? I, I still am really intrigued to see what Bones Highland does this year as the guy. Because I almost feel like Mike Rhodes kind of didn't, didn't let him off the leash last year. And I gave him a lot of credit for that th- through a lot of the season. And I kind of said that Chris Mooney was almost doing the same thing with Tyler Burden, but even more so because I think obviously Bones is still a better player than Tyler and probably has a higher ceiling. But they're doing the similar thing where it's like the talent is there and you can see they're ready to kind of burst out, but both coaches ran them in minutes-wise. Um, like he didn't – I don't think Bones started against Richmond and at the Seagull Center this year. Obviously, it was tied at halftime, and then they obviously get wiped in the second half. But it was like Bones was like five of six and hitting step-back threes. And like Mike Rhodes was still not just leashing, unleashing him into the game. I think this year now, obviously, he can't do that. Like, Bones Highland is the guy. Yeah. So that that's one of those guys that I'm really, really excited to watch this year for probably the only reason I'd want to watch a VCU game this year outside of Richmond. Because other than that, there's not much to be excited about in the immediate future, um, for sure. But, yeah, I, I also agree with you on St. Bonnie's. I think that's going to be a really fun game. Um, I'd like to see, you know, obviously Kyle Lofton is a really exciting player. And, you know, they were pretty much – it was never out of control, but you know, bon- the Bonnies pretty much controlled that game until the last three or so minutes. And then yeah. Blake Francis single-handedly like almost brings them back in that game. So I think that, I think that would be a really fun one to see twice. 
We've already talked about St. Louis. I really want to see UMass twice this year. I'm just re- I, I just love Trey Mitchell. I think he's a phenomenal yeah. player. And I thought Grant did a really good job on him. I thought as a team they did a great job on Trey Mitchell when they played them last year, doubling him, making it hard for him. And he was a guy that was pretty good out of the double team. And Richmond basically just made him look like the freshman that he actually is since he was a freshman, which is something we hadn't seen out of Trey. So I, I think that's one that I really want to watch. But other than that, you know, Dayton, of course, we still want to see Dayton twice. So, you know, a lot of these teams, but I'd be, you know, they probably, if it's a conference only season, they might end up playing every team twice because maybe they want to get more games in. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So uh, what's been a, you're obviously a big beer guy now. What is uh what has been the top beers that have been keeping you busy uh, this quarantine? I know you've got the sour there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And no, I was just telling you um, before we started, if I was on death row and they said you could have one beer, what would it be? Mm. And it would a hundred percent be this briny melon goes up from mm. Anderson Valley Brewing Company in California. It's, I don't normally stick to one particular beer, but man, this is unlike any beer. So mm. Anderson Valley, if you're listening, um, would love to say more good things about you. All it would take is you to send me a little bit more of this and um, <laughs> I'll be good. But no, the sour, I'm a very seasonal drinker. Spider Street Podcast still accepting sponsorships. <laughs> so uh, feel free to send us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah but, you know, we might as well. Robin's the Robin Center is selling beer now, so you know, uh-huh. let's let's kill some time. Why don't we uh, let's go through? Let's each pick uh, three beers that we want to see the Robin Center sell next year. Okay, well, I'm going with this. I don't, mm. I don't really see this taking off when I'm at a basketball mm. game. I wouldn't anticipate drinking a sour beer. Mm. Um, see, that's hard. Is it just Richmond beers, or are we branching out? Anything, anything you want, man. That's tough. Can be a See, local local brew. Can be literally a Bud Light. Anything, anything you're feeling. I will say, um, man, this is hard. I didn't study for this. Um, <laughs> you you want to alternate? I can go with one. Yeah, you yeah you go first. I gotta think on it. All right. So I'm a I'm a big I, I like the wheats. I kind of like the Belgians. So I think for me, I would go with an Allagash White. I just think that. Oh. But but it's it's one or two. It's heavy. I'm not you know we're not throwing those back at a basketball game. But you know I think that's a it's a nice brew I enjoy. And also I, I guess honorable mention would be their black stout one time too. Um, actually was watching some Sox games with some buddies one time, and the bar the the bartender did not inform me that this black stout was actually nine and a half percent as opposed to five percent. So that was a fun <laughs> night. But yeah, I'd say a- a- Allagash White is definitely one of my favorites. I love that whole kind of blue moon type beer family. Yeah, and that's how you had a good point when you said talking about throwing them back. I wouldn't mm. necessarily throw these back. They're really mm. sweet and tough on the stomach. So I think I might go with um, maybe a lighter IPA. I do like the um, the Richmond Lager. They already sell that there. That's mm. that's solid. I can't um, can't say anything bad against that. Um, but mm. honestly, I'm just glad they have beer now. Not that it matters anymore as I'm sitting down there on press row, but yeah. Uh, you know, Jason probably wouldn't be too happy if you know, I was sitting there and he saw me with a beer. But um, and we'll work on J- well, Jason. We'll we'll discuss that. We'll see what we can work out for this. Season. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, yeah. If you haven't tried the briny melon gosa, this is pretty much a PSA to try that. All right. I will. I guess if we're going local, maybe I'll bring uh, I'll bring something back from Boston. There is uh, actually right here in Situate. There's a brewery called Untold Brewing. And they make just the most like phenomenal IPAs. And I'm not, I'm very on and off with the IPAs because often they're very too bitter for me. So I'm like very touch and go. 
but this one it's got like this light yeah i'm gonna sound like an idiot to a beer connoisseur <laughs> such as yourself but it's like this very like summery kind of like there's a hint of mango in there but yeah, it's not no, like fruity at all yeah um so I, I i'd bring down the untold that is it's like probably one of my favorite beers i've had up yeah here. I, I, I never made the new england connection because my favorite type of ipa i love a new england ipa so mm. pretty much anything that has that new england style it's it's bitter but it's got a little bit the hops are kind of citrusy um mm. i'm all about that so yeah i know you you live I mean, Massachusetts is a good spot for beer. Richmond's a good spot for beer. I feel like we kind of meet in the middle there and we can kind of try some things we haven't really tried before. Yeah, definitely. Going to have to uh, bring some down uh, probably if, if I come back this fall. But yeah, I'll be, even if we don't have school, honestly, I'll probably come back. If there's, I mean, if there's Richmond basketball, I'm going to be there yeah. even if there's not school. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still wondering to see if we go back because I know as of now, they've said the plan is that we're going to be back through Thanksgiving break. We're not going to have a fall break because they don't want people going home and then coming back again. So we'll be in school from August, whatever it is, late August through Thanksgiving. Then we're supposed to come home and do our last two weeks of class online. But, you know, obviously we're seeing surges in parts of the South and you would know better than I would. It doesn't sound like Virginia spiking too badly relative to like a Florida or anything, which is good. But you do have students traveling that do live in Florida and other students from there. Um, UMass today, UMass Amherst actually, which could be interesting from an A10 perspective too, basketball wise, UMass today said they're going to be online this fall. They're not having, so students can come to campus and they can live in the dorm, but it's regular, like they can't just walk around. Like it's dining hall is going to be like, there's certain times you can come in and there's no in-person classes. So if you want, you can live in your dorm, but you have to do it from your computer. So I'd be really interesting. And, you know, like we talked about, like schools like Clemson and stuff and these football teams this summer are kind of having trouble with COVID. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if a school like Richmond or other schools that have said they're coming back potentially flip it and still, you know, send people home. Yeah, no, it's a lot easier up front to say, yeah, we're going than to have it the other way around. Like, no, no, we're not. But then things get better. So, no, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, Makes me glad um, college is behind me. Don't have to worry about any of that. (laughs) Now working in public schools doesn't make it any easier. So I'm also curious yeah. to see how just schools across the country go. Um, it's going to be a learning situation for everybody. So yep. who knows? And let's just hope the best happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one thing we can all agree on is we just hope there's some basketball this fall or this winter. That's what yep. we all need. Um, Austin, great catching up again, man. Now that uh, things are things are winding down a little bit this summer, uh, you know, hopefully we're we're going to get this back on a weekly or semi-weekly, you know, a little bit more regular schedule, get some guests on for you guys. But glad to be back in action. Richmond uh, Spiders, even in this dead period, are getting exciting. We've got scheduling stuff. We've got recruiting coming out. So, so more to come from me and Austin, more to come from Richmond basketball, and hopefully more to come this fall. Austin, always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, man. Take it easy. You too. Yeah, what a
strong. Leave me alone. Stop calling my phone. I already know what you think, little baby. Don't know what I'm doing. She said, Uzi, baby, they ain't got no dough. Why you're so dope? Yeah, you let you know. I'ma let you know. You can keep them close. Time is there, so froze. Why like the boat? Spanish girl named Rosa. And she from the coast. She know I'm a soldier. Let you know. Diamonds all up on my pinky, think this thing's top. I do not fuck with these niggas, man, I mean that. Whoa, money envelope, I was just a boat. Yeah, probably on your post. Get that watch like I post. Get that dodge like I